Thank you. Well, it's very good to see you all. <clears throat> and I'm very moved by what you all had to share. My theme is the stewardship of the earth and the, the spiritual challenge that this poses. Uh, I had a pre prepared statement to read about this, uh, but now that Pierzia has opened the subject so beautifully, he's become kind of shams to my my manuscript, and uh, I'm 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 just going to wing it. Uh, but I still need to refer to these notes from, on occasion. My name is Shams Carries, and I, um, I'm with the Sufi Order International and uh, have been affiliated especially with the kinship activity, formerly brotherhood, brotherhood sisterhood activity of uh, our order for a long time. <clears throat> and at some point, I'll read you the new mission statement from uh, the kinship activity. Sorry, yeah. Um, well, you'll see. So, um, and that works. I'd like to start with uh, sharing a practice with you from the nature meditations. You're probably aware of these. They were dictated by Pira Mershid and Naya Khan in 1921, the very first summer school and he called them the cream of the message. They're essentialized practices with phrases that are done on the breath so that in, with the thought of a phrase, inhaling or held or exhaling, the practice is integrated with the breath. This one that I've chosen is the next to the last one and it comes with a little note rather unusual. This one will rouse the faculty of finding other nature prayers. So it's generative in nature and I thought it'd be a nice way to start because perhaps together in this little time we can generate something together. It goes like this. Unfold thy secret through nature. That's the phrase held when inhaling. Unfold thy secret through nature and then exhaling, and reveal thy mystery through my heart. Unfold thy secret through nature, and reveal thy mystery through my heart. I'll say it one more time, and then we'll just have it in silence. Unfold thy secret through nature, and reveal thy mystery through my heart.
Now, in talks on this subject that I have given before, I often would start with a rather challenging question. Something like, uh, does it matter that the natural support systems of the planet are being decimated by human activity? Should this fact affect our efforts as a spiritual school? And if so, how? You know, Mershid had a, a rather small but very concentrated body of utterances about the natural world. Very profound sense of connection. Nature as a place of refuge and of communion. And I'm sure this uh, resonates in your own experience. I invite you to think, for example, of uh, a, a tree from your youth. Go back to your childhood. A tree that you climbed in or sat under or admired. It had some special bearing for you. <clears throat> for how many people is this alive? Almost universal. We don't have to go further than our breath to know that we are, in fact, denizens of this planet. Try not breathing for a few minutes and you'll see what I mean. But somehow it recedes into the background. Somehow um, in our spiritual pursuits, the human soul journey takes precedence and the earth becomes a setting for that, relatively negligible. And yet, at some, some place in us we know it's a totally integrated whole, seamless. Where's the threshold? Where do we begin in the rest of the world? So about 20 years ago, I started to take a particular interest in learning more about the state of the planet. Partly it was just an extension of my love for nature. I was interested, curious, wanted to know more. And I was also starting to notice that in my favorite nature shows, uh, they were inevitably ending the last five or ten minutes saying how all these magnificent creatures and plants that were being portrayed in, in, in these specials were endangered. You remember when all this started to hit? The shows didn't just end with this wonderful beatific feeling of the wonders of nature. They ended with talking about how habitat was threatened, pollution, encroachment, and so on. About 15 years ago, I was at a Sufi camp and I was asked um, if I would read a story to the youth camp. And I said, sure. It was to the children's camp. And I was given the book, The Lomax, The Lorax by Dr. Seuss. Uh, I'd never seen it before. And I had a few minutes, so I riffled through the first few pages. 
and uh, got the voices right for the Lorax and the, um, and uh, started reading. And these beautiful children's faces are just wrapped with what I was saying and the different voices. And as it progressed, and the trees got more and more, uh, the, the truffle trees, I think they're, um, got more and more decimated and the whole environment wasted. And um, I saw in the eyes of the children this anxiety. When it came to the last tree being struck down, I started to cry. So we'll fast forward from that time. About five years ago, I was asked to respond to a letter for a, a new website that was put together by the youth of the Sufi order. Um, a letter from um, one of their number. And um, he asked this young man of age 20 from Florida, he said, in what capacity can young adults most effectively serve during this time of global transition? And I recognized this is a person who read the Lorax. He's of the generation who's aware. So I thought, well, well, here's what I said. Your term global transition could refer to a number of different processes now in motion on the planet. As I don't know your particular meaning, I will respond regarding two transitional streams that I feel are particularly germane to your question and that interact with each other in compelling ways. The first stream is the growing awareness of the interwoven wholeness of life on the planet. Holistic thinking is becoming more and more evident amongst those interested in spiritual awakening and is slowly entering the larger corporate government civic arenas. The second stream is the growing devastation of the environment and intensified global warming. It is quite likely that your generation will see massive systemic disruptions around the planet and potentially devastating effects for many people and other life forms. In the face of these two realities, I think young people can best serve by developing the capacity to hold both streams clearly in view so that they inform, inform each other synergistically. So in a, in a sense, this is what I'm suggesting we might do in our spiritual work and, and how this theme then becomes active in our community. In this light, your daily actions and choices will become a difficult but lively practice wherein your consciousness expands while your ecological footprint shrinks. You thereby become a voice for life and sanity, challenging narrow dualistic thinking and demonstrating more harmless ways of living. Your personal decisions about critical resources, what you eat, how and how much you travel, the number of children you have, will be informed by consideration of the total global environment. Your awareness of interconnection may lead you to invent new ways to conserve energy or restore natural systems, create resilient communities, or reduce population growth. You will become a living embodiment of a new way of being and illuminate the path for many to follow.
So let's close with another nature meditation. This is the very last one. The thought with the inhalation is, let my mind bear sweet fruit and fragrant flowers. And exhaling, as this tree is planted on the soil of thy spirit. It's interesting that you will find in both these <laughs> meditations the, the same deep listening the deep listening and then the unleashing of the creative potentiality. Let thy mind bear sweet fruit and fragrant flowers as this tree is planted on the soil of thy spirit. And I'll say it one more time. Let my mind bear sweet fruit and fragrant flowers as this tree is planted on the soil of thy spirit. into ease and relax and have a break and we'll come back uh, in about 20 minutes.